Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you praise. We give you all the honor and adoration. We thank you, Lord, for what you are about to do in our midst. Holy Spirit, I pray that you set me aside and speak through me to your people in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray, Holy Spirit of oh God, that you give me utterance this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So I'm talking about the theme, peculiar people. Amen. And I want to read from Exodus chapter 19, verse 4 to 6. The Bible says, You have seen what I what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagle wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you indeed obey my voice and keep my commandment, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all the people, for the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the, to the children of Israel. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, the Bible says, But you are a chosen generation, royal priesthood, and holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. This is the word of God. When we read from Exodus, God was talking to Moses in Exodus and he said to him, Remember how I carried you on your wings and brought you out of Egypt and brought you to myself. And so the reason why God carried the Israelites from Egypt was to bring them to himself. Even though he told them that I'm taking you to a promised land, the main reason why God took them out of Egypt was to bring them to himself. And he said that if you are going to obey my voice, I will make my I will keep my covenant with you. God is telling the people of Israel that I'm going to keep my promise. Today I am entering into a covenant with you. I'm entering into an agreement with you. And I am going to keep my agreement. I'm going to keep my side of the bargain. He said, I carried you on eagle wings, and if you are going to listen to my voice, I will keep my covenant, and you shall be to me a special treasure. Now, in our various homes, we all have treasures, and you see, how you keep your treasure is different from how you keep any ordinary thing. God says to the people of Israel, you will be to me a special treasure. And so you see the heart of God when he took the Israelites from Egypt, the reason why he took them was to bring them to himself, that he made them his people, that they will become a special treasure to him. And so God was going to cherish the people of Israel. He was going to make sure that he will keep them well and defend them. He says that you shall be to me a kingdom of priests. And so he wanted the Israelites to be with, to him kingdom of priests. He said, you will be to me a holy nation. And now when God says you are going to be a holy nation, he meant that I am going to set you apart and you are going to be devoted to me only. You are going to be sacred among all the nations. And so God's desire for the people of Israel was to make them a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, a nation that is devoted to him alone. In 1 Peter chapter 2, we see the plan that God had for the people of Israel. We see that plan come to pass in us as children of God. So he says that by you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Now in 1 Peter, he's not saying that we are going to be, but he says we are. 
And so what God promised the people of Israel in Exodus, it has come to pass in our lifetime. God says, you are a chosen generation. This book of Peter was written to the Gentiles who were at that time going through persecution. And Peter wanted to remind them of the identity. And so he says to them, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. And this message is coming to you and I as well. God says that we are chosen. Sometimes we as children of God, we make we belittle who we are because we, we get our identity mixed up. But God says you are a chosen generation. It means that God chose you. God selected you. You did not become a Christian by accident. God selected you. The beautiful thing about adoption is... is the, how adoption is different from childbirth. When you are giving birth, you don't have the option to choose. You don't have the option to select. But the beauty, beautiful thing about adoption is that you see the you see the one you want to adopt. You see how the person looks like. You see how bad or how good the person is, and you still decide that this is the person I want. And that is the kind of relationship or love relationship or fatherhood relationship that we have with God. God saw us. He knew us. For everything we have done, he knows our thoughts, he knows our heartbeat, he knows our thinking. Yet he says, I want this child to be mine. I want this man to be my child. I want this woman to be my child. God knows us from inside out and yet he chose to adopt us. And in, in John chapter 15 verse 16, he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give to you. And so God chose us. And so he did not become a Christian by accident. God elected. He pointed out at you and chose you. And God says that you are my treasure. And so God values you. Don't let anybody uh, um, devalue you. Don't let anything make you feel that you are not important to God. God says you are my treasure. He says, I chose you. God knows who you are, yet he chose you and decided that he was going to pay a heavy price for your life. The price that God paid for each one of us was the life of Jesus Christ. That is how much God values us. That is the value God placed on us. And he says that you are my treasure. You are a chosen generation. The Bible also tells us in Ephesians chapter 3, Verse 17 to 19, the Bible says that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, that being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Some people say that it's not possible to be filled with the fullness of God. But we see Apostle Paul, when he was writing this letter, this was the prayer he prayed for the church, that the church would be filled with the fullness of God. I don't want to go there. But the Bible says that, that we'll be able to understand the width, the length, and the depth, and the height of the love of God. The love of God is beyond our comprehension. Is beyond our understanding. It is so deep that we cannot understand with our mind. It is so high that we cannot understand with, our, with, with just our carnal mind. The Bible says that if we'll be able to understand the width, the length, 
the depth and the height of God's love, it has to come through revelation. God chose us and he says, you are a special people. You are a peculiar people. You are a holy nation. Bible tells us that you are a royal priesthood. A royal priesthood means, means that we are kings and we are priests. Every child of God, everyone who believes in Jesus Christ as his Lord and personal Savior is a king and a priest. And that should be part of our life. When you walk around, when you wake up in the morning, know that you are a king and you are a priest. You belong to the royal family. Jesus Christ is the king of all kings. And so if you are part of the family of Jesus Christ, then you are royalty. And that's what God says about you. That is your identity. You are a king and a priest. You belong to the family of God. The Bible tells us in Ephesians that now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophet, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being built fit together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. And so this tells us that we belong to the family of God. We belong to the royalty. God is the king and we belong to his family. So he says that you are a kingdom of kings and priests. Now the, good, the best translation for this is that you are king priest. You are a king at the same time and you are a priest. In the Old Testament, the only people who had the opportunity to have the anointing of God or the presence of God on their life is the king the priest and the prophet. They were the only people in the Old Testament you will see that the presence of God was upon them. They were the ones who were anointed. People of, uh, uh, the, um, to be anointed means that to be set apart for the work of God in the Old Testament. But today, the presence of God is in our lives. And so we have the anointing of a king and we have the anointing of a priest. And so every one of us is anointed as a king and as a priest. But the reason why we are not able to move into that possession is because we don't understand it. But God has made us kings and priests in this world. Unto God we are a king and we are a priest. And so when you wake up in the morning in your vicinity, know that you are the one representing God. In, you are representing the kingdom of God. Now one thing we have, we have to understand is that Christianity is a kingdom. And we are the people in that kingdom. Just like he told them in the book of Exodus that I am going to make you a kingdom of kings and priests. Now, God has made us Christians who believe in him a kingdom of kings and priests. And so wherever we find ourselves, we are representing God. And so when you wake up in the morning, you are in charge of your area. You are in charge of your vicinity. Whatever city that you live in, whatever community that you live in, you are in charge of that community. You are supposed to make intercession. You are supposed to make decrease over that community. And so when you wake up in the morning, you make decrease in the atmosphere and on the land. And every element in the atmosphere and on the land will have to obey because you are a king. God has made you a king. Amen. And so you have to exercise your dominion as a king and as a priest. Now, I had a story. A man of God told a story about a sheep who lived, about a lion who lived among sheep and was jumping around just like the sheep and was following the sheep everywhere they go. 
and was eating grass like the sheep because the lion didn't know his identity. But one day, they went to drink water and they saw a lion on the other side of the water. And all the sheep began to run away, including the lion who, who, who was a sheep, also ran, joining the other sheep to run. And so one day when they went to drink water, the lion was also drinking water like the sheep, and then he saw his face in the water. And he realized that he looked like that thing on the other side, who they are all running away from. And from that day, he stopped running away from the other lions because he discovered his identity, that he was also a lion. And so it is for us as people of God. Until we discover our identity, we cannot lead to our fullest potential. Until we know who we are and what God has made us. Now, the mirror of the Word of God reveals who we are to us. And so when we look in the mirror of the Word of God, whatever promise that God has, whatever instruction that God has, whatever identity that God has given us, that should be our identity. That should be what we say about ourselves. And so when he says that you are chosen, know when you wake up in the morning, know that you are not forsaken, but you are chosen. When you wake up in the morning, know that you are a royalty because the Bible tells us that we are a royal priesthood. No matter what happens around you, the Bible says you are a holy nation. Now, to be holy means to be devoted and dedicated to God. And God says you are a holy nation. When you wake up in the morning, know that the Bible says you are his own special people. And God has an assignment for you. God wants you to proclaim his praise to the rest of the world. Amen. And so when you, when you wake up and you, in the morning and you don't feel special, remember what the Bible says about you. That you are his own special people. God values you so much. And so God calls you his own special people. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 to 19, the Bible says, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, like silver or gold, from your endless conduct, received by traditions from your fathers, but you, but with the precious blood of Jesus, of the, the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Now, if there was anything that God valued so much, then it was Jesus Christ. He says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. God saw Jesus Christ as his beloved son. And the Bible says, we were not bought with corruptible things like silver, like gold, but we were bought with the blood of Jesus. Now, when you go to the market, they are, I mean, when you buy something for $100 or when you buy something for $500, the way you keep what you bought for $500 and the, one, the way you keep what you bought for $100 is different. Why? Because the $500, whatever thing that you bought, is expensive. And so you preserve it. And so you keep it. And the Bible reminds us that as people of God, God bought us with a heavy price. He bought us with the blood of Jesus Christ. The whole earth belongs to God. And so every silver, every gold on this earth belongs to God. If God wanted to redeem us with silver or with gold, he could have done that. 
But God saw us as more precious than silver and, and, and than gold. And so he gave the life of his son, Jesus Christ. The Bible says that you were redeemed. It means that you were bought back from the world. You were bought back from the kingdom of darkness. Not with corruptible things like silver or gold. But you were bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus gave his life so that he will gain you for God. He gave his life so that he will gain you for God. So that he will redeem you from the powers of darkness. And that is the price that God places on you. And so whatever you find yourself, when you are walking and sometimes the devil whispers into your ear and makes you feel like you are unworthy, make you feel like you are useless, make you feel like you are worthless on this earth, remember that you are so precious to God that he bought you with the life of Jesus Christ. He redeemed you with the life of Jesus Christ. And remember, Jesus Christ was God. He was the Son of God and He was God Himself. And for God to be able to get into a relationship with us, Jesus had to pay. The life of Jesus had to be given. God gave Himself so that we would be bought. That is the value God placed on us. And we need to walk in that understanding. The Bible tells us in Romans that if God did not spare His only Son, but delivered him to us, how much that with him he will not give us all things. If God gave us Jesus Christ when we were sinners, so that we'll be reconciled with him, how much more now that we are reconciled with him, would he not give us all things? And so whatever you are expecting God to do, know that God has, even give, God has already given the most expensive gifts to you. There is nothing he cannot give. And so if you are praying to God about anything, know that God gave you the most expensive thing, the thing that he cherishes most. He says, this is my beloved son. Jesus is the one that God loves most. But Bible says that he gave him to us. So whatever you are expecting God to do in your life, whatever you are expecting from God, he is able to do it because he has shown, he has proven through his love for us, when, even when we were sinners. So now that we are reconciled with him, there is nothing in this world that will ask God that he will not give us because he gave us the most precious thing. We are bought with a precious blood. We are bought at an expensive price. Let's not handle our soul anyhow. And that's why I keep saying that if we know our value as Christians, we do not live our lives carelessly. We do not live our life in sin because we know that God paid a heavy price to buy us. He paid the price with his son, Jesus Christ. He called us out of darkness. The Bible says that, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. A holy people, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness. God called us out of darkness. We have to know that God is not about to call us out of darkness. God has already called us out of darkness. That means that we do not belong in darkness. What are the things that we call darkness? Darkness can represent sin. Darkness can represent sickness. Darkness can represent anything that does not give praise to God. Or anything that does not bring glory to God. And the Bible says, giving thanks, Colossians chapter 1 verse 12 to 13. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us. The Bible says that we are qualified. 
He's not saying that he's going to qualify us. He says it is past, past things. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us. And so you are qualified to be a child of God. You are qualified to be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints. God is not now going to qualify you. Some people say that one day when we meet Jesus Christ, then we are going to qualify, we are going to share in the inheritance. No, he's saying that he has already qualified you to be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints. Now, what that means is that when the saints are sharing an inheritance, you have a stake in that inheritance. Now, who are the saints? You are qualified, like Ephesians tells us, that we are no more strangers, but we are no more strangers and foreigners, but we are fellow citizens and saints. And now, in Colossians, the Bible tells us that giving thanks to the Father, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. The Bible says that he has delivered us out of darkness. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. It means that there is no power of darkness that has dominion over your life. The Bible says that we have been delivered from the power of darkness. And that is why I keep telling believers that you don't have to be afraid of witchcraft. Because you don't belong in their domain. You don't have to be afraid of any demonic power. Because you don't belong in their domain. The Bible says that you have been delivered from the power of darkness. He didn't say, I am going to deliver you in the future. He didn't say, if you pray hard, I will deliver you. He didn't say that if you fast, then I'm going. He says, I have delivered you from the power of darkness. And I have conveyed you. Another translation says, I have translated you into the kingdom of light. What that means is that you, right now, you are living in the kingdom of light. And darkness has no power over you. There is no force, no power in darkness that can dominate your life. And so when you see any force of darkness having a foothold in your life or stepping foot in your in your territory, what you have to do is remind yourself of this identity. Because the devil that we have to deal with, he will always come back to tempt you. When he tempted Jesus Christ, the Bible says that, and he left him for a season, which meant that the devil left Jesus Christ for a time, and he was going to come back again. And so when we rebuke the devil, even though he knows that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, he still came to test him. In the same way, the devil knows that you do not belong in his, in his domain. You do not belong in his kingdom. You are being conveyed from his kingdom into the kingdom of light. But he will continue to test you. And whenever he comes, remind him of the word. And that is why when he tempted Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ said, it is written. And so when the devil, when you see darkness around you, when you see any force and any power of darkness, that is, why you ha- that is when you have to confess the word of God and say, it is written that I do not belong in the, power, in the kingdom of darkness because I have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And so right now we live in the kingdom of light. We represent God and we live in the kingdom. And the Bible says that we have been translated into his marvelous light. And that is where we live. The Bible tells us that we are a holy nation. Now, in those days, when they bought articles that they presented into the house of God, and they anointed those articles, 
and they will call those articles holy, which means that those articles are set apart only for the work of God. And so when they brought those articles to the temple, everything that they were using in the service of the temple was called holy because it has been anointed and dedicated to God. And so the Bible says that we are a holy nation, which means that our life is devoted. Our life has been dedicated to God. And remember, he's not saying we are going to be holy. And he's not saying that if we do a lot of good things, then we are going to become holy. No, we don't do good things to become holy. Holiness is an identity that has been given to us because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so when the Holy Spirit is on your life, then you are holy. Now, whatever good thing you do is an expression of that holiness. That is not going to make you holy. You are already holy and you are expressing the holiness in your life. So in your thoughts, when you think righteousness, when you think holiness, when you walk in purity, it means you are expressing the nature. You are expressing your identity. That is who you are. And so your works do not make you holy. But your works is an expression of who you are as a child of God. And he says, we are a holy nation. It means that we are set apart for God. And what is our purpose on earth? He says, we have been called to proclaim the praises. Other versions say, to show forth the praises of him who called us. Just like Israel, when God elected them to become his nation, he wanted to show them to the rest of the world. He wanted people to, to learn about God through Israel. People were going to look at Israel and see that their God is the most powerful God. Their God is the God of the universe. Now, God has given us that place and that position. And our responsibility on earth is to proclaim the praises of God. And so when people look at us, they must learn about God from us. When people look at us, they must know that you represent God in your community through our love. Again, when the Bible says... But the Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. Sorry, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 and 15. Uh, 13 to 15. The Bible says, Therefore, get up your loins, the loins of your mind, be sober and rest your hope um, fully upon the grace that is brought through. I mean, uh, verse 15 says that, but as he who has called you is holy, you are you are also you also, I'm sorry. Be holy in all your conduct. So the Bible says that the one who called us, who is God, he is holy. And when we talk about the holiness of God, we are talking about his attribute, his graciousness, his righteousness. And God, the Bible says, therefore, in our conduct, we should be holy. It means in, in our morality, some people say that it's impossible for us to live um, a holy life. But that's, what, that's not what the Bible teaches the Bible is telling us, is instructing us to, in our conduct, we should be holy. And the Bible is not going to tell us to do something that he knows we are not able to do. Everything God is telling us to do, he knows we can do it. And that means that God knows that we can be holy right here on earth. That is what the Bible teaches. Sometimes people use their failures to interpret the Bible. People use their limitation to interpret the Bible. But let allow scripture to say, to speak for itself. The Bible says we have been called into the newness of life. We have been called to walk in the image of Christ. We have been called to express the nature of God. And if God is calling us to do these things, then God knows we can do it. And we can do it because God has given us the Holy Spirit 
to be our helper and to help us walk like God. So this morning, I just want to remind you of your identity as a child of God. You are not forsaken, you are not forgotten, but God knows your name. He chose you, he called you. And Bible says that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. We are kings and we are priests. We are a holy nation. Our life is devoted to God, to express the holiness of God. The Bible says we are his own special people. You are special in the eyes of God. You are very special in the eyes of God. And if God places value on you, don't let anything discourage you. The Bible says our responsibility here on earth is that we will proclaim the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are called out of darkness. We do not belong to sin anymore. We do not belong to the devil. When you see things in your life that do not conform to what the Bible promises you, declare the word of God. Just like Jesus Christ said, it is written. He told the devil, it is written. It is written. It is written. It is, this is what we are also going to use to affirm our identity here on earth. We have to continue to proclaim and declare the written word. In the face of temptation, in the face of opposition, we remind ourselves what the Bible says about us. The Bible says that it is written that we are a chosen generation. Amen. Amen. And let this be your identity. Let this be something that brings you inspiration and something that encourages you. That God gave his only son, Jesus Christ, for you. And if he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, so that he will win you, know that every other thing that you're expecting God to do for you, he will do it for you. Amen. Bible tells us that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ever think or ask. And if God is able to do everything that you are going to ask him, Know that he's more willing to do it for you than you are willing to receive. Because no father buys a gift and hides it from his child. You know, when when you buy a gift and you're going to give it to your child, you are as eager to give it to your child as, as a child is as eager to receive it from you. It's the same way when we go before God and we ask him for our needs. He's eager to meet our needs as a loving father. And so let's not be discouraged. There are so many things on earth right now that can mix up with our identity, but we always find our identity in the Word of God. The only truth about us is what God says. There might be prevailing situations that are contrary to what God is saying, but let's know that the truth about us is what God says. The Bible says, let every man be a liar and let God alone be true. And so if situations in your life are contrary to what the word of God says concerning you, let those situations be lies and let the word of God be true. Affirm the word of God. Declare the word of God. Pray with the word of God because that is what God has said concerning you. Because that is the only truth about you. Bible says you have been delivered from the power of darkness. Sin has no dominion over you. You are not helpless when it comes to sin because God has delivered you from the power of sin. Amen. Shall we begin to pray right now and just thank God. Thank him for what he has done for us, that he has delivered us from the power of darkness. He has delivered us from the power of sin. 
And we are not helpless. We have help in the Holy Spirit. Let's just give him praise right now. Let's lift up our voice and begin to thank him right now for what he has done for us. Father, we give you praise. Lord, we bless you. We magnify your holy name, O oh God. We give you glory. Yes, Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Father, for what you have done for us. We thank you, O oh God. We give you all the glory.